In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. In New York, the search continues for the 44 caliber killer. See if you can explain to me why I would want to be a Scientologist. Betches Media presents... Tell me we have a lead. Stone Cold, no. It was literally like the Hunger Games. Not another true crime podcast. What can I say? Tough titties. It's all fun and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back, everybody, to what is probably going to be a long episode of Not Another True Crime Podcast, and you'll see why in a second. I'm Sarah Levine, here as always with Casey Balsham. Hi, guys. Danny Murphy. Well, hey, everybody. How are we doing? We are doing adequate. Okay. (laughs) We are are this episode because this is a dark, a dark one. Yeah. Yep. I kind of um, just had I, to black out as I was like researching it, just being like, okay, and that's well, pretty you, gruesome. Let's just yeah, I was, move past it. Yeah, I'm like dieting, but I had to get a bagel this morning to like prepare for this. <laughs> like I was like, it's, it's a carb day. Like I needed to carb my way through this. Yeah. I know. I, had to eat like with the I didn't eat. I didn't eat. <laughs> so but I didn't want there to be get, anything in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, that's the move. Um, before we get into it, I did want to discuss one update. Um, there's been a, an interesting update in the Britney Spears conservatorship. So first off, she said that she wants her dad to no longer be the sole conservator. Mm-hmm. And also the ACLU tweeted that they'd be willing to step in and help her. That, that made this so much more real for me because I thought for a while I'm like free Britney, I love it and I understand it, but I thought it was such a fan driven thing. Yes. But now I'm like, wow. ACLU was getting involved. That's when. That's when you know. Yeah, I mean she's she's she thirty nine. She's almost thirty nine years old. Like she should have control, like of her life, of yeah. the things that she's earned yeah. while she was, you know, apparently so sick that she couldn't be in control of it. Which yeah. obviously we've gone over if you listened to our Britney episode, but. The ACLU getting involved, this is big news. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But also, I'm like, is that what my $25 a month needs to go to? Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, dope, toxic. She'll get, she'll be able to go to Starbucks. Like, all right. Let's, and let's I'm like, what about human there. rights violations? Like, I guess, I mean, this could be one, but yeah. I'm like, what about the not rich people? Yeah. However, it's exciting. So it is exciting. Hopefully, and we'll get answers. Hopefully, we'll get answers. And also, there's another update about another case that I just got. You know, it's hot off the press when it's an alert from E News on the phone. Oh shit! Stop. That um, uh, Lori Lachlan and her husband are like like going to jail. Oh shit! He got five months, right? He got five months. I think. Well, she's like not yet yet, but I mean, probably in the middle of recording, it'll be released. That she'll be like three to five months, and they'll probably have to alternate for when kind of like Joe and Teresa situation, like one of them goes at a time. 
that Damn. was their like that was their plea deal right it was either gonna they're like either you're gonna be found like super guilty and they're you're gonna be in there super for years guilty. or you just like say that you did it and get a couple months it, they really should have felicity hoffman did like she was just like yup went in for two business days like i ordered something yeah. from asos and she was out of prison by the time before my package <laughs> like she literally i was like where are my jeans but felicity's out literally oh my god for she's two out business she's giving days. cupcakes yeah <laughs> but i know wow i and also it's insane too they're going to be going i wonder if they'll hold off until covid calms down but i mean covid will never calm down but so i guess i mean i guess they're just sending them in there regardless but who knows who knows? Like, yeah. I mean, they have enough money to get those rapid tests that, like, all the rich people in the Hamptons are getting, so. Facts. They'll be fine. They'll be just okay, but <laughs> hot, hot off the presses, Danny. Hot Thank you presses. for the update. Yeah. <laughs> so hot. Um, well, we've got a big case for you, like we said today. It is highly, uh, you guys have messed messaged us about it a bunch. It's also, like, one of those famous cases that you've definitely heard of, but, like, I didn't know the details of exactly what happens. Like I knew it was crazy people. I knew people got killed, but I didn't actually know it was happening. And we also just want to give a disclaimer. This is, you know, such a big case that there's obviously there's so much information about it. We gathered what I, what we think is like the gist of the timeline and the story. But of course there's probably other things and, and things left out or, or maybe there may be a couple things, but um, this is kind of what, the basics of it is. Um, and so we're talking about Charles Manson and the Tate murders and the family and all the fucking craziness uh, that ensued with this case. And it is big and it is gruesome. And um, <laughs> buckle up. Um, don't eat. <laughs> or eat bagels if you, if you cope like me. If you're yeah. a carb coper like myself, order that bagel, egg, cheese, Cream cheese both sides, whatever you need. Buckle the fuck up. Cream cheese both sides. Really have a day. <laughs> I, it took me a minute to like try to visualize. I was like, oh, I like a wob, a wet ass bagel. bagel. And then I was like, no. <laughs> a wob, a wet ass bagel. Oh, wow. I'll never be able to not order that. <laughs> You'll be like, hi, I will have a wet ass bagel. And they'll be like, ma'am. I mean, if bagel places are smart, they will put that on the menu. Everyone would buy it. I mean, I'm sorry. We should be, okay, we're opening up a cafe now. Yes. We are, oh. yeah. We, it's, yeah. Put it on the list of jobs, new jobs. <laughs> new jobs. So whatever, whatever your bagel is, um, have it nearby, if that's how you roll. <laughs> Let's talk about Charles Manson. Charles Mills Maddox was born November 12, 1934, in Cincinnati to a 16-year-old alcoholic sex worker. His mother briefly married a man named William Manson, so Charles took his last name, and his biological father is not publicly known. Um, he went out to a boys' school at age 12 um, and then was rejected by his mother when he wanted to come home. I also read that there was a lot of... Um, sexual assault at that school that he endured. Um, and then he, so after coming back, he lived on the streets and kind of got by by committing petty crimes. He was in and out of reform schools and prison for about 20 years. And actually at one point when he got out of prison, he, I read that he had said basically like, I don't know how to function, like just put me back in there. And they were like, it doesn't work that way. Um, and so in 1967, after getting out of prison again, he moved to San Francisco. 
Um, this is where he started the family. Again, 1967, drugs, hippies, cults. Yeah, it was Janice like a Joplin. whole new, it was a whole new world. And he was like, let me just go to the epicenter of like where people are just like free loving. Yeah. He's smart. One of the side notes of this, of research in this case made me realize as much as I love learning about the 60s, I would have hated being there for it. I, I like even... air- I like yeah. air conditioning and not doing drugs. Like I would have not vibed. Yeah. I would have been so like, it wouldn't have worked out in my favor. I was going to say like, I barely believe in essential oils. I wouldn't be down with people who are like, oh, free love and feel the vibes. I'd be like, oh my God, come back to planet Earth. Like, it just- but you guys, but you know what I would have, like, I had the same thought. Like I saw them all in the streets, like of Haight-Ashbury, which, you know, like I've been to a million times. I used to go there after school because I grew up in San Francisco, but I did see a big group of like sweaty people. And I was like, oh yeah, that doesn't look fun. But Studio 54 looked like oh. the most oh, yeah. fun. That's, That's my cult. Like, cause yeah, like cocaine and disco. Yeah, yeah. isn't that the '60s or was that the '70s? That was the '70s. '70s, I want to say, cause the '60s okay. to me, it's like SantaCon, but like with <laughs> like, but like earthy. Like it's an yeah. earthy SantaCon <laughs> where it's just people yeah. on top of each other, not in their bodies, like just being like, so, "I'm invincible." And then the '70s have a different narrative. So we're all into club drugs, not outdoor drugs. <laughs> yes, no hallucinogens, okay. but uppers for me. Oh yes. Okay. Up, up, right. up. Should right. I explain in yeah. We like we like Coke, but we don't like LSD. All right, all right. Just yeah. so we're all on the same page. Truthfully, but for a beverage diet coke, just in case anyone is ever sending me money. Yeah. <laughs> Truthfully, yeah. And if there is a diet coke of coke, but that's a whole different thing. <laughs> okay, so he goes to San Francisco, then starts what would later be known as the family. At first, it was about a hundred followers, mostly hippies. Just wanted to do hallucinogens. Again, not for us, but we get it. Yeah. And he kind of realized that with everybody being fucked up on drugs, he could act as this guru and people would listen to him. So he started doing that. They would bounce around a lot, but eventually ended up in the San Fernando Valley. Um, and, and then Manson started kind of like preaching to people. And he took a lot of his beliefs from this notion that Satan and Christ would come together at the end of the world to judge humanity and that's what he was telling everyone. I feel like all cults are always very focused on the apocalypse. Oh, always. Oh, this yeah. Because no I think they, yeah, I would like wonder if it's that you have to like put a fear in somebody that you know how to save them when the world ends yes. or something like that, you know? Like, mm. like they're all going to die, but like I know how to dig a hole. So like <laughs> the world will explode except for this hole that we have dug in the ground for ourselves. Yeah. And then when you're on LSD, you're like, I need to get in that fucking hole. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Sure. I feel like it just plays on people's fear of death and like the unknown. So yeah, there's also, he, he also like incorporated a lot of different things. You guys see that when he was in one of the prisons he was in uh, before this, he like dabbled in Scientology. So he was kind of like pulling from a lot of different things. um, Yeah. He was like heavily influenced by Scientology. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So most of the followers were, as you would guess, women, impressionable young girls who believed him when he said he was Jesus because they thought he was Jesus. To be fair, he had the hairstyle going for him. Yeah. And basically a lot of them kind of just wanted someone to believe in or like a father figure because, I mean, I feel like nobody who joins um, an insane cult like this is a perfectly well-adjusted individual with a strong support Mm -hmm. system. I mean, these are all like vulnerable 
impressionable yeah. young people. So yeah, and it's they even did like say that here. Yeah, go ahead, Jenny. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, and it's even it kind of uh, shines a light on how he grew up too, where he was. Yeah. He grew up, and it was a whole system, and like rough with the mom tried to sell him off for a pitcher of beer, a whole situation. Oh, yeah. So he knows the personality of the people then to feed off, like to to get, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the beer thing, but apparently his mom like sold him for a pitcher of beer, or I thought it was a bottle of beer. In any case, it was like a small amount of beer, and then his uncle had to go get him back. Yeah. This is like when he was like a baby. Also, I like what mom, I mean, I know that the waitress probably wanted a kid, but like, imagine someone be like, I'll give you my child for a glass of wine. I'm like, I don't want your fucking kid. I know, yeah, that's I not know. a good that trade. Like an unfair trade off, but <laughs> yeah. But this just plays into like, he, he was rejected from a very young age, and mm-hmm. that like kind of plays a through line in his story. Um, yeah, but it is. But so, yeah, you're right. He knew he knew exactly how to find people that also maybe had a little bit of like childhood trauma or just were like searching something. Because they do say like a lot of the people that followed him also were kind of like all American, this or that. But then like the drugs kind of changed them or like something, something kind of happened that just like changed these people's trajectory. And they needed somebody mm-hmm. to listen to to be like, you're OK. And that's what he did, essentially. He just made people feel good. All right. And then, of co- like, weirdly, there, there are so many intertwining scenarios with this case and this story. So much so that um, if you don't know this band, your parents definitely do. The Beach Boys <laughs> are somehow involved. The Beach Boys are connected. Because um, everything was set in motion when one of them, uh, Dennis Wilson, picked up two Manson family members that were hitchhiking. And they talked about their guru, Charlie. I mean, of course, I mean, I feel like if you're someone who picks up hitchhikers, you're like, yeah, let me listen about this guru. I'm into it. I'm into it. So um, Wilson, who also was a bit lost at this time, kind of like the followers of Manson, uh, he, he was getting a divorce and everything like that. So he was looking for something else. He was became obsessed with the idea of this guy, Charlie. He thought he was a wizard and a quote unquote gas <laughs> and enjoyed talking to him. He's a good, he thought it was a good time hang. So <laughs> yeah, you know, basically he's like, he sounds like a good time party guy. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, who's this Charles? Yeah. Uh, so then Wilson ended up, mo- uh, moved Manson and his crew into his house and took an interest in his music, even recording a song of his with the beach boys, but without crediting, uh, him when it came out, because of course they had to cut ties. Cause it was uh, interesting in a documentary I watched, like Charles Manson was always playing guitar singing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And even in prison, one of the uh, guards was like, you can sing, you really can't play guitar. So he, I guess he had like a good voice with that. So um, all with this and everything else, all of the Manson members started to really believe in Charles more if he could be so charismatic to have someone, because the Beach Boys were big. Like they're, they're huge, huge yeah. Guys. So they're yeah. all like, of course we're gonna believe this guy if he's able to convince one of the most famous like musicians to like be on board and captivated with them. And also it's just like when you're roped up in like, cause now it's kind of like roped up in this star LA Hollywoody type situation too. So, yeah, they uh, rubbed elbows with so many famous people that I'm like, how? Like I can't even, I've never even run into a celebrity on the streets of New York. Like how is this random? You haven't? You have to go to Upper West Side more. No. I only Yeah, I mean, more. I guess I'm just broke. I was actually just thinking about this the other day that I wish that I like somehow kept a running tally of every person I've seen between like LA and New York and all that stuff. They're fun. I've seen some big ones. 
seen Leo in the village. Ooh. I've he only seen very like very funny. Barely famous people, and those are the people that mean the most to me, so it works out. <laughs> Truly. Like Charlie from Girls, yeah, I peed in the same bathroom as him. <laughs> <laughs> I love Charlie from Girls. Yeah. Okay, um, but uh love Sarah. That Sarah, they did more than just rub elbows. They rubbed yes. a lot of stuff. Like a lot <laughs> of things lot were rubbing. Correct, correct. A lot of things were rubbing. It also was the 60s. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, Again, uh, party. A party. And it, party, but then to the point where it got a little concerning. Um, Manson and Wilson had women act as servants to them, and they all did drugs and had group sex orgies, a whole kind of scenario. Uh, Dennis <laughs> is now quoted as saying, Till the day I die, I won't talk about this time because no. Relatable. That's super embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> I think this was from an old like Rolling Stone article where he's like, I just am not, I won't. I can't and I shan't. Yeah. It's uh, he uh, bravo, bravo, fucking bravo. He's Denise Richarding his time with the Mansons. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I won't even let anyone tell me what I did when I was blacked out. I would certainly <laughs> not go on the record and talk about my group cult sex with a convicted mass, yeah. almost mass murderer. Yeah. I Although I would that. love if he came, if he said something, he was like, I, I did have an entanglement with uh, Yes. He needs to get on Red Table Talk. <laughs> yeah, Jada. <laughs> get on Red Table Talk. Jada could get it out of him. I trust Jada with, yeah, she's, yeah. Um, so then it got to a point where Wilson spent over a hundred grand when everyone in the house got gonorrhea and group sex became painful. Do we know? So wait, was that? he like, spending that treatment? just on like healthcare? What was he, he spending it on? So he took them all to like a doctor or like a clinic. And I think basically, I mean, I think they all needed like meds and I'm sure that none of them are like yeah. insured. So I think That's he just true. paid, like, cause I think there was like a decent amount of people and they were all just fucking and sucking. And so he, they all had, God. they all like, they call it like a gonorrhea outbreak in the house. So he was Gone like, well, girl, listen, yeah. we got, we have to figure this out. So he, just he paid for treatment for everybody and for everybody oh to see somebody. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or he went to D. Gary Young's clinic and that's why it cost a hundred grand. <laughs> and it didn't work, yeah. yeah. And it didn't work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he even paid for studio time uh, for Manson to record a song and introduced him to like industry people. Uh, yeah. Terry Melcher, the son of Doris Day. I mean, when I was just, I'll sing all Doris Day songs right now, but we don't, <laughs> even though this is a two-part podcast now, we don't have the time. Uh, and uh, Rudy <laughs> Altabelli. So he was kind of like network, like it was sort of getting to think where it's like, okay, yeah. he's really getting around. Um, yeah. But then uh, in 1968, Wilson's manager kicks out Charlie and his crew when apparently Manson pulled a knife on a producer Wilson had set him up with to record some music. So his yeah. manager, Wilson's manager was sort of like, this guy's gonna fuck up your career and your connections. You gotta get you gotta get away from it. Yeah, yeah. I think there's rumors that the studio sessions did not go very well. Um, and that like Manson kind of didn't like the people that was producing it. I mean, he's also like a fucking psychopath. So who the fuck knows what was happening? I mean, but, yeah, I'm sure he wasn't super easy to get along with like creatively. Oh. Yeah, especially like, <laughs> I, I imagine too, like, you know, being the guy that tells everyone what to do and then being told what to do, I'm sure that that just is like, didn't mesh it, with. It doesn't, well, it really only reminds me the only like music production thing I have in my mind is when Allie Lohan went with the Maloof brothers in Atlantic City and she mm. kept on storming out because they didn't get her vision. And I feel like it was only 10 times that insanity <laughs> with Manson. What do you think her vision was? Like, <laughs> yeah, I was she wanted just to be about to ask. Yeah. yeah. 
the Maloof Brothers. Yeah, she's, she had to go all the way around. I do like that song, anyway. <laughs> oh God. Googling that immediately after this. So what happens next is that the family then takes over this rundown Western set called Spawn Ranch in Topanga Canyon in August of 1968. Um, obviously, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we were just saying, kind of gets a lot of these, I mean, obviously different ending, which is really fun to, to I mean, it's nice to think that maybe all this didn't happen, but they do get a lot right. Like, and they yeah. show what the Spawn Ranch looked like. Um, the family members would essentially just do chores and have sex with the blind 80 year old owner in order to stay there for free. Um, it's just even kind of wild. Like, how do you even just find an old Western set or like, how does an old Western set? It's just, it's, it's just such a bizarre place to take up residence, but like really fits these people, you know? So yeah. weird. I feel like someone maybe just like gave, gave Manson a tip or something like that. Cause he was what like is- vaguely involved with industry people. Uh, that's my yeah. theory. He knows when the auditions are, yeah. <laughs> he's, on, he's on backstage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in December of 1968, Manson, obviously, again, we know he like loves music. He becomes obsessed with the Beatles' White Album and oh, actually boy. believed it was speaking to him and the family about an apocalyptic war arising from racial tension between, quote-unquote, blacks and whites. Okay. <clears throat> so he called this event Helter Skelter after the Beatles' song of the same name. I mean, Paul McCartney, after everything came out, would later say, like, the song is actually about the fall of the Roman Empire and should not have been used to. (laughs) He did not not mean to write anything that would cause anyone to believe that they should incite a race war. But, you know, Manson, again, not of sound mind. So this is what happens. I like to connect his his own dots. Yeah. Yeah. This is LSD in a life of kind of unwantedness and abuse. It's, 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 again, it's like, it's some people just aren't set up like he wasn't he was never set up to be any you know it's i mean granted you don't have any excuse to do this but people just aren't given the same stuff as other it just his whole life seems to have sucked you know not i'm not defending charles manson i'm just saying like we see this pattern of people that were abused and unwanted and then they kind of just turn to fuck whatever whatever all you know um, so Manson's theory of Helter Skelter was that the war between black people and white people would be won by black people because of the divide between racists and non-racists white people. A little bit of like 2020. Um, black people would win, but then be ruled by the family who would be safe from this war because obviously they have a secret bunker down in the ground. Again, they, they're going to dig a sure. hole. They call it a submarine. So they would be fine. So during this race war, Black people would essentially kill all the white people, but then black people wouldn't know, they're so used to being told what to do by white people that they wouldn't know how to run the planet. And that's when Charles Manson and his family would come back up. Would emerge from the ground. They would emerge from the ground and and be like, I know how to run this planet and I will help you. So essentially making him in charge of everything. he completely tracks yes yes of course yes. <laughs> obviously obviously this is a completely laid out plan he also believed that the family had to record an album where the lyrics <laughs> would trigger this race war so of again course. he was like, like I, yeah he was like tied into music all the stuff and like and then then some of the followers believed that they were going to like get this record deal it's just yeah. like 
He's like, listen, we're going to so rule the world, but first I got to land at number one in the Billboard Hot yeah. 100. It's right all here in the lyrics of Helter Skelter. It's in the plan. Just yeah. trust me. He's like, yeah. we have to have a TikTok dance go along with it to really get the kids involved. Yeah. <laughs> got to lay down these tracks. We've got to lay down the tracks to incite Drake the race war. <laughs> I can't. So they started essentially just doing general like apocalypse, apocalypse prep and making maps and... Uh, and they were also started to write like songs and lyrics. And Terry Melcher was actually supposed to come listen to them, but he never showed up. And this was in February. Because um, at, at a certain point, Terry was interested in Charlie's music. Although we don't know if it's like him being industry like, yeah, baby, I'll see you soon, da da da. Or if he actually yeah. was interested in Manson's music. Obviously, he had the in from Dennis Wilson, but Terry but I was heard interested. Music wasn't good. You know, I, I don't, I, I know that there's like a lot of stuff about his music. I know that even as recently as I feel like last year, two years ago, there was some musician that wanted to like record all the songs and people oh. were like, why are you going to glorify oh. this man? Yeah, like, don't do He that. was a fucking murderer. Yeah. So well, the one song of his that the Beach Boys did record ended up flopping. So I'm it was on a B side. Yeah. 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 It just like was not a good song. So it I'm wasn't go like one say, of the fun ones. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say cult leader, psychopath. Terrible musician. Can't do it. Yeah, yeah. and that's the title of that. You can't have it all. You know, you can't. You can't have it all. Then we um, you can't, almost you can't have be it all. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. <laughs> I was wondering when we were going to get our Whitney interlude. Oh, um, but 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 Melcher was actually interested in making a documentary because he was fascinated by like Charlie's way of living and that they were living on this ranch and that they were kind of like just this hippie culture. Like he was kind of interested in in that. Because he was um, the definition of like what the era was. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. absolutely. I mean, Manson did end up auditioning for Melcher at this yellow drive house that Melcher was living in at that point, um, which was actually the house belonged to Altabelli um, and he was just renting it to Melcher and his then girlfriend, Candace Bergen. Hello, crazy. I know. Crazy. That's it. There's, there's this, this, this is like us weekly. Like there's a, there's a ton of connections. It's really um, who's who. If, yes. Yeah. It's a really, it's a who's who of what the fuck. Um, but obviously, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously, like we said, Charlie, it's like he wasn't that great of a musician. So Melcher does pass on signing him, but he does continue with this documentary. Um, but he ends up leaving the project after he sees kind of like violent behavior, like Charlie again, like kind of attacked some like something happened and he was like okay you know what i'm gonna distance myself from this project and then obviously wilson and melcher end up both cutting ties with manson and it kind of upsets him again it's this theme of rejection that has just caused him to then kind of really really upsets him um melcher and bergen end up moving out of the cielo drive house um and altabelli ends up leasing the house to director roman polanski and his wife sharon teats who was a like perfect she was like just a beautiful actress who just stuck stuck out in a crowd and was basically like handpicked from like as an extra to like become this yeah. movie star. Um, and like one of those people who was of, born like, to height. be. Yeah. 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 So Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate end up moving into Melcher's old place on Cielo Drive. And then we meet Gary Hinman, who becomes a central figure in everything that is to follow. So basically Gary had befriended some of the family members and let some of them stay at his house. 
in Topanga Canyon. Um, and he just like, you know, let people do this. Um, he was kind of hippie before, too. Right, I mean, n- nobody is just like, I don't even like let my friends stay. Because no. I'm like, I don't have the room. Like he would just let random transient people stay. So of course he's definitely. Free loves, drug. He was part of the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then we're, we're going to kind of set the scene for the murders because um, th- they didn't happen in a vacuum and there was like a, a, a buildup. Um, so weeks before the Tate-LaBianca murders, a member of the family, Bobby Beausoleil, bought nope. drugs to sell from Hinman, but they were bad. So he went to get his money back. Um, and like members would sell drugs to make money for the family. Um, Tex Watson, who was also a member of the family, like sold weed and during a drug deal gone wrong um, with Bernard Crow, Manson shot him and thought he killed him. Um, he also thought that Crow was a member of the Black Panthers. So he was like, all right, this is it. The Panthers are gonna be after me. I need money for protection. Um, but he did not die and also wasn't in the Black Panthers. And I feel like this just ties into this whole race war, also not making sense. Just everything to incite it, yeah. Okay, so here's where Gary comes back into the picture. Manson was convinced Gary inherited a lot of money, so he ordered Bobby to try to scare the money out of Gary and convince him to give it to the family Gary said he had no money, so Bobby basically beat the shit out of him. Um, and then Manson went there the next day, cut his ear and his cheek with a samurai sword, and then less. Yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> Manson then ordered Bobby and the women to tend to him, and then eventually had him sign over the deed to his car, after which yes. they stabbed him to death. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but also- he brought... Apparently, he brought, like, Susan Atkins, and he brought another female member who, like, it was alleged that they had both slept with Gary, so they thought that maybe the girls could help, like, shake this money out of him. But, again, Gary didn't have money. there was no money. money. There was no money. There was absolutely no money. Gary was, like, trying to tell him, he's like, there's no money, and they essentially, like, kind of, like, left him. Well, they tried to, they tried to, like... It, there's a couple they tried to like help him like apparently one of them the girls tried to like sew up his face with like floss or something yeah, like sure. it was yeah sure exactly but essentially it was just two days of him being tortured essentially poor guy yeah um okay also i guess i i feel like i should warn everybody it's it's gonna get graphic if you know yeah stabbing someone to death and carving their face isn't already graphic so just right. just yeah. keep that in mind and if you um are you know easily affected by that queasy, thing, yeah. you might want to tune off for a bit um yeah. okay so after stabbing gary to death they wrote political piggy in blood across his wall and they also tried to draw a paw print so police would think the black panthers were involved to cite this to incite this race war and blah 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 um but then it didn't work bobby was arrested um, in a car wearing all his bloody clothes on August 7th. And this act was a big deal because it kind of changed the family from being just like hippie weirdos to full-blown murderers. And it's like, now we're on this path to destruction to try to bring about this helter-skelter scenario. And it's yeah. just like careening towards a very violent and gruesome end. Yeah. I think Manson, yeah, was like feeling a little bit like, like, like one thing we saw, I think Danny watched the same one. Like after 
they like didn't get this record deal and all this stuff and all these things that he said were going to happen weren't happening like he was like okay i need to i need this race war to happen so that they'll believe me like i think so, there was part of this going on as well and this is obviously how he was triggering it exactly there was nothing all the things he wanted weren't coming to him so then he snapped in this way and of course the people with him i feel like there's it unfortunately got to a point where none of them are turning back from this moment too yeah. and that uh, happens i feel this next the next murders are the ones that a lot of people the, i feel these are the the sharon tate murders are the ones that a lot of people mainly associate with charles manson i feel like that was the first time i've heard of his name everything like that so on august 8th slash 9th of 1969 i, th- uh, Roman I think Flan- that's because i i'm assuming it happened like at midnight so some reports say the eighth like i'm assuming it, it happened, happened somewhere night. in there yeah, yeah. so i think that started- there's like and one day maybe ended in another day. Yeah, yeah, because there's like a lot of, I've seen so many reports where they, where the dates just change one day. So that's why I just put, yeah, like I know, I, I, yeah. I, it must have happened uh, right So one of those days, August, 1969, Roman Polanski was out of town in the house they were uh, renting and his wife, Sharon Tate, at this time was eight and a half months pregnant. Uh, four members of the family went to the house as instructed by Manson. Uh, they were uh, Tex Watson, Susan Atkins, uh, Patricia Krenwinkel, and Linda Casbian, uh, who was on the lookout. The members were then instructed to kill everybody in the house. Uh, it said that Polanski's house was targeted as part of Manson's massacre of the beautiful and the elite, a world that he was rejected from, kind of with the overarching thing that he's always been rejected and then in the weird relationships to Hollywood, all these things. Some also say uh, it was a message to uh, Melcher for not following through on promises that he ba- he basically went into hiding after this. And some say they thought it was still Melcher's house, although Susan would later say they didn't know he lived there anymore. Uh, as, so it's kind of all there's a lot there's of different, a couple different things yeah. yeah like it's I, I mean i think they all tie in but i think it was all based on like his anger of of like Rejection. not getting the things yeah. that melcher pro- like so there was like a, a tie-in with melcher still but also they targeted polanski i, I think because she was a big yeah yeah actress. i think they kind of also wanted to choose the the victims like deliberately to really shock people and again bring 100%. about this and also yeah, no like for a fact thing it would get international yeah. coverage too. I yeah, feel like. they, they wanted they wanted them to be noticed. Yeah. Yeah. So in the home was of course Sharon Tate and then she also had three guests, uh, Jay uh, Sebring, who was a hairstylist and ex-lover, Abigail Folger, who was related to like the Folger coffee, coffee. company there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the writer of uh, Wojciech uh, Frykowski, as well as uh, Stephen Parent, who was there visiting and the caretaker, they're visiting the caretaker of the house. Uh, so, to start off their attacks, the family, with instructions, cut the phone lines and then climbed over the fence and went in through a window. Uh, Ted Waxon told them, quote unquote, I am the devil and I'm here to do the devil's work. So they first shot Parent, who was only 18 at the time, and he was driving away from the house, which uh, horrified Caspian. Uh, just yeah, kind Caspian of was like a new member and she yeah. kind of, I think, didn't really know what was happening, but she was like, that's a kid. And I think that started to, she was the first one that kind of like had some doubts about what they were doing. Yeah. And it was a kid just like not really involved with it, just like leaving the home. Yeah. Yeah. That's so oh. sad. Just like visiting someone who worked at the house. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. just to drive home what Sarah says, if you guys don't know it, it's very gruesome coming up just to let you guys know the murders were very gruesome. They uh, stabbed uh, Sharon Tate 16 times 
after she begged just to be allowed to have her son. She, she said that she would be a hostage until she gave birth and then they could kill her after. All she wanted to do was just have her son survive. Uh, Susan later said that she wanted to cut the baby out of her stomach, but they did not have enough time. Uh, and then uh, with that, they ended up using Sharon's blood to write pig on the wall. Uh, Atkins then said to Tate, quote unquote, look, bitch, I have no mercy for you. You're going to die and you'd better get used to it. Oh my God. Um, That's what she said to her. That's what Susan like told a cop or told somebody that she said to, as Sharon was like pleading for her life. She's like, look, bitch, I have no mercy for you. Yeah. So uh, Sebring got mad that they were so rough with the pregnant Tate. So then they ended up shooting him. Uh, and then they apparently tied Tate and Sebring together with ropes around their neck. And then they put the rope over a ceiling beam. Oh my God. Uh, they stabbed Folger uh, seven times after asking her for money. Uh, Frakowski was tied at the wrist with a towel. Uh, he briefly was able to escape, but Atkins hit, hit him with a gun and then stabbed him and shot him twice. Uh, Folger also briefly escaped, but uh, then was caught and stabbed an additional 28 times. It's just, um, Caspian was on the lookout and said after she heard the massacre, massacre happening, she hated it so much and falsely told Susan that someone was coming. Uh, Caspian uh, later became the star witness in the case. Uh, and in this case, also Manson criticized the murders for being sloppy because it was, even though I, in the documentary I watched, they interviewed the police, the officer who was the first on the scene. It was, yeah. they were like, this was the most gruesome thing we've ever experienced, seen, heard, entire career. Yeah, yeah, and I guess they like brought a change of clothes, they like took off all their bloody clothes and like just threw them like on the other side of the mountain. I think those clothes ended up being like found later when they were like starting to investigate the Manson family. But but yeah, it was pretty gruesome and all Charles had to say was that like two of them almost got away, like you guys did this sloppy. And then on that same little documentary, one of the members that was part of the family she's like i don't know they all came back everyone slept in the next morning and then they wanted to watch the news and it was the first story and they were like laughing and giggling and being like oh we got a good one so they said it was like a very like they yeah it was a very wild thing and i think that people kind of i know that it also said like hollywood went cuckoo after that like all these everyone was buying guns everyone was worried buying guns Mm -hmm. they were getting guards and all this stuff um and the very next night, they decided that they were not done, that this was still a mission they needed to go on. And I guess um, it seems like they wanted to go do kill somebody like in a church, but the church was closed. So they ended up, and this is on August 9th or 10th, uh, six members of the family, the original four, as well as two more, Leslie Van Houten and Steve Grogan and Manson, who was also in the car, went to the home of uh, Lino and Rosemary LaBianca. Uh, Lino was a wealthy supermarket exec and he murdered them both in a similar, he didn't actually, they were both murdered in a similar gruesome fashion. Again, this is the next night after this shocking murder of these other five people essentially. Um, apparently Manson got out of the car and tied up Lino and Rosemary and because he was worried that they would escape as what happened the night before. So he tied them up and then he essentially left and then the other six family members went in and killed them. And Lino was stabbed with a bayonet and Krenwinkel carved the words war into his abdomen. Rosemary Real was stabbed. Yeah, Rosemary was stabbed to death. I've read one thing that Patricia, or that 
Leslie Van Houten was the one that stabbed her. I read another one that said that she simply held her down. Um, but either way, Rosemary was stabbed to death. Um, and then they wrote death to pigs in blood on the wall. They also wrote helter skelter at all of these. So there's pig references in blood in all of these murders. And then they also wrote helter skelter. Um, Manson had actually, this was like a weird rule, I guess he had that he insisted that every woman play a part. So they all had to stab the victims even after they were already dead, just so that it was like everybody was involved. Manson took Rosemary's wallet as well and wanted to drop it off where a black person could possibly find it and have the murders pinned on them. Again, like he's trying, his whole thing is to create this end of the world scenario, which then he would obviously like take over the world. But so this is back to back, two gruesome murders. Um, so even if the same four people like were feeling any remorse, like they clearly weren't feeling remorse about the first one because no, they just yeah. went and did the exact same thing the next day. And seemingly the LaBiancas were targeted for no reason other than I think they just were able to get into their house and they were rich yeah. and, yeah. you know, like this is, obviously they weren't at the same level of fame or at all of, as Tate. So yeah. this one, it just kind of seemed like for murder's sake, just to also... I don't know, I guess they were just feeling on a high from the night before. I don't know, but yeah. very, very gruesome, very, very sad. And on that note, that's it for part one of the Manson Family Murders episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to us. You can follow us on Instagram at NATCpod. Shoot us a DM. We'd like to hear from you. And make sure you stay tuned for part two. Batches.